So loneliness is actually seen as one of the greatest health concerns of our day by many. Living alone or poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death, you ready, by 29%. Three out of five people struggle with loneliness at some point in life. Three out of five. This is an issue for us to deal with. Hello? I never understood what it meant to live. To see stars or grass was always something so average, so mundane, so still. Now I would do anything to see anything still or be still, for that matter. The hidden despot rulers wanted a submissive population, easily directed by subliminal messaging. They littered the online world with directions and distractions that spoke only to our subconscious minds, to see who followed, feeding on our insecurities like a parasite. As the world grew more narcissistic, so did the movies, their dark fantasies inoculating the population against the real-world violence and depravity on the news. They touted a dialogue that taught the population that evil was good and good was evil. This was a normal part of life. They wanted us to believe there was nothing we could do about it. it kept us docile as the ideological bombs dropped before our eyes as if coming from foreign lands. The only way out was to stop glamorizing the evil, stop taking in the lies as if we are drowning victims gasping for fresh air. We need to show it as it really is, horrifying, raw, wretched, controlled. There is a murmur of a benevolent champion whose charge into the world sets the heads of the elite on fire. He marshals the dispossessed into battle, forging a path lit with the wisdom of ages past. It is said that he changes everything from dark to light, as though infected by an illuminated stain from the sun. He disrupts. We need more of him. Where is he? Who is he? We need his disruption. Everybody, welcome back to the second installment of a sermon series that we've got here going called Disruption, where we're going to be talking about loneliness and how God can be a disruption to loneliness. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. And if you don't know where the book of John is in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. People worked really hard to put it there. Don't be ashamed to use it. John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. Here's what it says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you, Jesus, that you, through your gospel, through your relationship, uh, through your word, Lord, completely show us that you have an answer 
to loneliness. And so Jesus, as we're looking into the topic this morning, and as we're going through all the different things that we're talking about around it, I pray, Lord, that whatever is not of you, Lord, that that would just get get tossed away and only what is of you would come through so that we would hear the truth about how you want to impact and disrupt our loneliness. In your name I pray. Amen. So loneliness is actually seen as one of the greatest health concerns of our day by many. Uh, And why? Well, here's some of the facts. Loneliness, living alone, or poor social connections are as bad for your health, you ready for this, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, according to uh, Holt Lundstand study in 2010. Now, in the same study, they said that uh, loneliness is worse for you than obesity. Lonely people are more likely to suffer from dementia or heart attacks or heart disease and even depression. This was uh, done in 2016, the study that was done. Loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death, you ready? By 29%. And not only that, the stat that has come out, is, uh, especially out of the U.S. specifically, says that three out of five people struggle with loneliness at some point in life. Three out of five. This is an issue for us to deal with. Now, I believe with all my heart that the scripture speaks into this. And here's what I mean. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, Moses describes the creation of the world. And as God finishes the work of each day, he takes a moment to make a statement. God saw that it was good. After each day, God saw that it was good. And then at the end of this entire creative week, God looked over at his entire creation and he says, it is very good. And this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. But then Moses tells us something wasn't good. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he says, It's not good that the man should be alone. It is not that God was unaware that Adam needed companionship. We've got to remember that. So God says it's very good. We get into chapter 2. God sees something here and he says, This is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. But I need us to understand that it's not that God was unaware of Adam's scenario. It wasn't that God just, Oh, Oops, man's alone. We got to fix that. There wasn't something to correct. And when we look at it from that perspective, what we find is that Adam needed to see his own need for companionship. Here's what I mean. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 to 25, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then listen to what happens next. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave the names to the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. And then it says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. And so you got sandwiched in between, It is not good for man to be alone, and no suitable helper for Adam was found, this story, this scenario where Adam is dealing with the animals that have suitable helpers. 
Adam needed to see his own need for companionship, for another like him. And so in doing so, he sees it, recognizes that need. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up that place with flesh. And then the Lord made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And then the man said, listen, right? Because this is the companionship piece that comes out. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Remember, he had just finished naming all the animals. So all the animals are coming and they're in kind and they're with each other. And he sees that. And now he finally sees bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. This is the, the announcement, you could say, of companionship. And then he says, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were able to be completely transparent with each other. There was no shame between them. But the key here is that Adam now understood his own need for companionship and then Eve was created. Now, having Adam experience his aloneness, God caused him to go into this deep sleep, right? And, and takes a rib from his side, and God fashioned this helper for him, calling her woman. God created Eve for Adam to provide for his aloneness. You catch that? God created Eve for Adam to provide for his aloneness. And in creating her, he brings them together for the purpose of companionship. And so God is intimately aware of our need for companionship. He created us as social beings and we need to be in relationship with each other. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, I don't know if you know who he is, but this is a guy who's been around a long time and he's preached a lot of messages. And, and so he talks of an ad that he saw following, uh, in following a Kansas newspaper. Here's what the ad says. I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. Kesha, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. And Swindoll goes on to say, he says, it wasn't long before this individual was receiving 10 to 20 calls a day. The pain of loneliness was so sharp that some are willing to try anything for a half hour of companionship. Loneliness is a problem that is all too real and for far too many people. So let's talk about what loneliness actually is. Let's define this. Um, but before we do, I think it's important that we dispel some of the misconceptions about loneliness. Uh, loneliness is not necessarily solitude or isolation. Here's what I mean. Uh, the Bible tells us that John... The guy who wrote the Gospel of John, he's the guy who is the disciple whom Jesus loved. The Bible tells us that John was away on the island Patmos, but he wasn't lonely. That's Revelation 1.9. Jesus often withdrew to desolate places, wilderness-type places, but he wasn't lonely. We read that in Matthew 4, 1-11, Mark 1, 35. Paul spent time alone in the Arabian desert, but he wasn't lonely, Galatians 1.17. So you can be alone and not be lonely. 
You can be surrounded also by literally millions of people and feel like you are the loneliest person on the planet. The Hebrew word for loneliness is the basic idea behind the word to be forsaken. It refers to something that is most dear, something that just can't be replaced. And so when you look at this, this word refers to this lonely, forsaken feeling that comes because of something that cannot be replaced, that has been removed from a person's life. And the Greek, because we understand that the Bible is written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And so in the Hebrew, it has this idea of this forsakenness. In the Greek, the word for loneliness, when referring to people, means deserted by others or deprived of the aid and protection of others, especially friends, acquaintances, and kindred, in other words, family. But the word also refers to a flock deserted by the shepherd, a woman neglected by her husband in Galatians chapter 4, verse 27, a Jerusalem deprived of Christ's presence, instruction, and aid that we read about in Matthew 23 and Luke 13. And loneliness also involves being cut off from others and this sadness that that is just there from being alone that produces this feeling of desolation. One of the most common feelings associated with loneliness is emptiness. There's a sense of hopelessness and helplessness and despair. Loneliness is unwanted isolation. To be specific, loneliness, that's emotional isolation. And and what we find as we read the story of Scripture is that Jesus disrupts loneliness. He has this means by which he wants to disrupt our loneliness. He offers the disruption in the exact same order as it is found in the Garden of Eden. Christ's disruption to loneliness is patterned after Eden. And here's what I mean. It starts with relationship with the Creator, Jesus, and then relationship with others, the church. And so what we find in the story of the Garden of Eden is that, that Adam was in relationship to God and then in relationship to Eve, God, others. And that's the pattern that we find in Genesis. I believe that Jesus Christ is the fundamental answer to every one of life's problems, including loneliness. Jesus himself provided, uh, he promised actually his unshakable presence in Matthew 28, 20. He says, listen to this. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us of God's faithfulness to us in Hebrews 13, verse 5. He says, keep your lives free of the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And Paul assured the saints in Rome that a believer could never be separated from the love of God. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced... Listen, if there's any encouragement that you can get if you're dealing with loneliness, hang on to this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither this present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ 
Jesus our Lord. Like nothing. And that list is, is exhaustive. There's nothing that doesn't fit into this list, and there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Does that sound like Jesus wants this relationship with us? This vertical relationship? We need to realize what the Bible says about Jesus' relationship with believers. Like, consider this. Jesus says that he loves us, right? John 3.16, uh, John uh, 15.9, 1 John 4. Jesus said that we are his friends. John 15, uh, verse 9 and verses 11 to 15. Jesus said that he knows our names. Uh, he's praying for us in John 17 that we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Uh, Jesus said that the Father loves us as much as he loves his own Son. So you may feel lonely, but you are never alone. And that's critical for us to understand. That is the truth that we need to apply in the midst of our feelings. And so Jesus provides for us a disruption to loneliness in providing relationship to himself for us. But not only that, because remember, it's patterned after the garden. And so in the same way that we've got this relationship with Jesus, right, like Adam had with the Father in the garden, perfect union, relationship, intimate, walking together, Jesus wants that relationship with us. And in the same way where God says it's not good for man to be alone because man's a unique creature, he creates Eve to be there as a support, as a helper, as an equal partner and companion for Adam. And Jesus builds the church. Someone once said, someone who steps in, sorry, a friend is someone who steps in when the whole world steps out. A friend is someone who is there for you when you need them. Uh, acquaintances will step out when there's tough times, but a friend steps in in those times. Solomon said that a good friend can lift you up when you fall. And this is a, a passage that gets used for a lot of weddings, but the context of this passage is two companions traveling together through the desert in the ancient Near East. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. Tell me if this sounds like a relationship that you would appreciate. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And the cord of three strands is not easily broken. We need relationship. Sorry, we needed relationship in the perfect garden. We need it more in an imperfect world. You catch that? We needed relationship in the perfect garden. We needed more in an imperfect world. Romans 12, 3 to 5 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God distributed to each of you. For just as... Each of us has one body with many members. Listen, and these members do not all the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member, you ready? Belongs 
to all the others. And what we need to understand here is that members do not all have the same function. We're going to be different from each other. We're not going to be exactly the same. And, and Adam and Eve, they were not exactly the same. God says that he created a suitable helper for Adam. And in doing so, there's uniqueness to who Adam is. There's uniqueness to who Eve is. And in this, we are members of the same body, but there is uniqueness to who each of us are. It goes on and says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And so not only is there a uniqueness to who we are, there's a uniqueness to what God has given us in terms of how we are to serve one another. But the big thing I want us to understand is this, is that in Christ, right? So this relationship that we have with Jesus, that Jesus says, listen, you need a vertical relationship here to help conquer loneliness. But not only do you need a vertical relationship to conquer loneliness and have security in it, you need a horizontal relationship to conquer loneliness in terms of your relationships with others, relationship to the church. And he says, so in Christ, that vertical relationship, though many, many, not alone, tons of people, and we form one body. And so there is this companionship that is intended in the body of Christ. And then it even goes farther. And this is a point that most people don't even really think about that much, but it says, listen, each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. It's this idea that we just are never intended to, to do life apart from each other. And that there is something unique taking place when we are, in fact, together. John 17, 20, 21. It's a passage of scripture that we read earlier. Here's what he says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's talking about how his present disciples and that over the years, all of those who will come to belief in Jesus Christ because of the message that's coming forward. And then he says this, that all of them may be one. That we may be one. Listen, when we are one, we're not lonely. We, we don't feel like we're lacking. We don't feel like we're missing out on something. We're called to, to be one with one another. And then he says, he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So we're to be one with each other. We're to be one with Jesus. And then there's a purpose behind it. And that purpose is, yes, relationship with the Father so that we have confidence and we're sustained in the Father. There's relationship with each other so that we can have this sense of companionship. But there's a greater purpose involved in all of it. And that greater purpose is this. That the world may believe that you have sent me. Our oneness is evidence that Jesus was sent by the Father. You ever thought about that way? I mean, being the church is, is more than just showing up on a Sunday morning or rubbing elbows and serving in something. Being the church is this idea that I belong to you, you belong to me, and we are unified, not uniformed. We're different. And that's okay. Adam and Eve were different. And it was very good. And so as we move forward together, we need to start talking more and more of what it means to be the church.
you know, we, we have a lot of emphasis in our world today on having a close relationship with Jesus. And I think that's really important. It's actually critical. But Jesus said that the answer to life, the answer to companionship, the answer to loneliness, you could say, is relationship with him, but relationship with each other as well. That's the pattern. Love God, love others. Walk with God, walk with others. And he talks about this in the sense that we would be one. So how do we get there? How do we move towards connecting in our relationship with Jesus. Our, our mission as a church is to help those far from God come to know life in Christ. And so this is that life in Christ piece, right? So here's a couple of things that you can put into practice that'll help you to connect with Jesus more. Now let's remember that this connection piece, this is more of that emotional side of our relationship with the Father. We've accepted the truth of who Jesus is, and now we need to connect emotionally to that truth. And here's what, how we can do that. Here's a couple of things. How about start with prayer. And, and while you pray, try using a prayer journal. It may feel like you're just speaking into the ether. But can I encourage you in this? That when you write down your prayers and you're like, Lord, I, I feel like I'm speaking into emptiness right now. Help me to see the reality of you in my life. And then when you look back on that, you're able to see how that prayer gets fulfilled because you start to sense the Lord's presence more because you are also then in tune with Him and looking for His presence in your life. How about worship? Uh, worship in a way that causes you to connect with Jesus, whatever that way is. I feel most connected to Jesus when I am outside, pitch black dark, bright sky from the stars. And I marvel at God's creativity. Worship. How do you worship and connect with Him in that way? Uh, another way would be serve as He served and allow your heart to grow more like His. How do you connect with Jesus? Well, you start doing the things that Jesus did. Try these things. Now, I know for a lot of us, a couple of these things are things that maybe we just haven't done before. Maybe you have struggled in a prayer life and you haven't dived into it. My encouragement to you is take a step forward into it. Let your next step be start praying. Start writing things down. Start dialoguing in that sense. Maybe you, you don't worship enough. You don't give yourself space to do so. Go worship. Just do it. Whatever makes sense for you, go do it. Serve. Some of us have never served. Some of us are busy being served. The more we align ourselves with who Jesus is and, and become more like Him, the more we'll feel connected to Him. Serve as Jesus served. Uh, the other thing is, and I think this is critical, because we don't seem to have a problem with each other talking about what it means to have a connection to Jesus, right? We, we, we talk about that vertical relationship a lot. And there's lots of conversations about the relationship to the church. But how about this? Make purposeful connections in smaller environments, smaller groups. If you're experiencing loneliness, you ready? Here's your next step. If you are experiencing loneliness, you need connection to others. So join a life group. 
Join a life group. Contact Pastor Andrew and, and learn more about how you can get connected. Go onto the Church Center app and sign up for the life group information night that's coming up on September 21st at 8 p.m. And, and the link is in the description below. But let me encourage you with this because this is something that we're called into. Paul advised the Galatian believers to share their burdens with each other in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He actually says this. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in that way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love God, love others. And when we carry each other's burdens, we become more like Jesus. Because Jesus is that ultimate carrier of our burdens. And when we carry our burdens, then we become more like, we carry other people's burdens, we become more like Jesus, but we also get more connected to them because there's an effort that we are putting in towards somebody else. Look, we're told not to look only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We're told in Galatians that we should do good to all, especially to those in the family of faith. And so there's this notion that we step out into this and we risk it. And when we do, there's a fulfillment in it. There's a fulfillment of fulfilling the law of Christ. Love God, love others. And if we're all loving God and loving others, then we're going to get this oneness piece. And we recognize then that as I carry your burdens and you carry my burdens, that, that I'm not my own, I'm yours and you're mine. Now imagine that. If we start to think of all the relationships within the church as I am yours and you are mine. What would it look like to walk forward together? How much encouragement would we have with each other? How unified would we be with each other? And, and how much freedom would we offer and grace would we offer towards our differences? We need someone that can give us good spiritual advice to encourage us, to give us biblical instruction, to pray with us, to laugh with us, to cry with us, to yell at us sometimes. Like We need the full dynamic of what it means to be in relationship with each other. So the biblical truth is that the disruption for loneliness, you ready? Is loving God and loving others. Loving God, loving others. Look, I'll close with this. I'm going to go back to this passage from from John, because I think it's so important for us. My prayer is not for them alone, just talking about the believers that he's currently with. I pray also for all who will believe in me through their message. Jesus, right here in John 17, it's what's called the high priestly prayer, prays for you and for me. And the content of that prayer is this that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus disrupts loneliness by providing relationship with himself and creating the church. We need relationship with the Father and relationship with each other. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today. And I thank you that you provide relationship with yourself and you provide us for the means of relationship through the church. And so, Lord God, would you help us to be a people that would take next steps in our lives, that we would risk things 
in order to be able to draw closer to you and closer to each other? And would you reorient our thinking so that we start to think of each other as being needed by one another? That we would carry one another's burdens, that I would not think of myself as just my own, but, but that I am somebody else's and they are mine. And, and as we do so, then we're going to move closer and closer to nurturing each other, carrying those burdens and being in those spaces of life where we laugh and cry and encourage and serve. And we do all of these things with the result being that people will believe that you were sent by the Father. Amen.